0: Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I can't tell you uh, I can't even begin to tell you um, (sighs) how much I love Jesus (laughs) I just can't I can't even begin oh I've got to begin I've got to tell you something but uh, my heart my heart just uh, is just swells (laughs) All my life, He's been faithful. <laughs> All my life, He's been so, so very good. Even through the fires, even through the trials, He's just so, so, so very good. If I can, I'm trying to get the tears out of my eyes so I can actually read the, read the scripture in front of me. Sorry, now my hair is all out of control. I excuse my hair. I haven't pastured for a long time. I just go out into the woods. I don't even don't even cut my hair anymore. Um, we're supposed to be uh, talking talking about uh, action figures of the Old Testament, and uh, I I thought uh, I thought a lot about it. And there's <laughs> there's just so many so many I, w- I wanted to talk about, and then. Um, what one uh, at the top of the list? Uh, one of the top the top of the list was Daniel. Daniel and his friends, his formidable friends, and then uh, talking to Barb. Barb uh, Barb said the same thing. So I said, "All right." Um, let, let me read you this. In Daniel chapter three. Well, let me give you some quick context. Sorry. Let me give you quick. Um, the people of God, the nation of God has been besieged. Babylon has come in and taken them over, conquered them, taken their land. And not only that, not only did they beat them down and take, take them over, then they started to uh, rifle through all the best of their best, all their sons, all their daughters perhaps and they uh, took them with them and took them back to Babylon. I've never been part of being conquered in a nation. I've lived in Canada all my life, but I have friends, I have friends that know that, know that personally very well in their own home countries that have been besieged by other countries and they've been driven out of their own homes. And Daniel and his friends, among so many others, were taken out of their home, marched to Babylon to the very uh, enemy, and made to look, smell, sound, act, walk, talk uh, like the enemy. In fact, one of the unfortunate, uh, I mean, all of that's unfortunate. One of, one of the things that they did with uh, so many of the young men at that time was uh, they castra- castrated them, made them eunuchs so that they could trust them with uh, taking care of their harems and taking care of their possessions and taking care of their different things. They thought that it would submit them very well. It's not said specifically that Daniel and his friends were, but there's an awfully good chance that they were. little context Nebuchadnezzar erects a huge statue to his God to himself to his God and commands everyone to bow down whenever they start playing the music whenever they strike up the instruments every time they hear it hear it, they're all supposed to bow down throw their hands up throw themselves to the ground and bow down and worship and they did this and everyone did this except for Shadrach Meshach and Abednego, they did not. They would not bow. Even after everything they had endured up to this point, they would not. And then the others, some of the others saw this and of course reported, because there's always those that want to cancel you. Here, back then, canceling you was a a little bit more serious. And so they wanted to cancel them. So they got brought in front of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar was furious he demanded that they would bow down. And Shadrach, in verse 16 of chapter 3, it says, "Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered." Or, well, first, first uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, "Bow down." And uh, I love the last line that uh, Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 15: "And who is this God who will deliver you out of my hands?" <laughs> Challenging the Lord. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We could learn from that. I'm not going to teach you on that right now. But man, we could uh, grow a whole lot more wisdom in that when uh, the enemy or when people say things and we feel like we need to answer. We have no need. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fire, burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed, distorted. And so they throw him in. They bind, bound, bind them up. The big strong men bind them up. And they fire up the furnace. They fire it. what was it, seven times? Seven times hotter. It was ridiculously hot. It's melting everything around them. And they toss them in there, throw them in there, drop them in. In verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three bound men into the fire? And they answered and they said, King, true king, true, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is a son of the gods. This is the verse I want to focus on. Verse 25, he answered, he said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods can someone get me some kleenex before i goober all over my microphone (laughs) thank you that would be awesome that that paper towel will work fine a sleeve can someone spare a sleeve just tear it off awesome thank you awesome Oh, and thank you for, oh my gosh, look at that, the abundance. Thank you very much. It's wonderful. Any more? Any more? Stack up. stack it up in my Jeep. Um, let me read that again. And he answered and he said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak what you want to speak. I pray, Father, that you would move among us and that you would, you would just fill our hearts with your presence. I pray that you would accomplish your, your intentions this morning. I pray, Father, that nothing would be remembered but you. I pray that we'd encounter you. I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that we would talk with you. I pray that we touch you. I pray that, Father, that we would leave here with you. There's just nothing else worth it. Just you, Lord. Just you. In Jesus' name. Unbound, unbound in the flames, unhurt, walking with God himself. Excuse me. Unbound in the flames, unhurt, walking with Jesus himself. Not unbound out of the flames, unbound in the flames. Not bound in the flames, unbound in the flames, unhurt with the Son of God himself. I've spent my life trying to get out of the flames. Spent my life trying to stay out of trials. I've spent my life trying to keep away from hardships Yet that's where Jesus was, and where he was inviting me. That's where Jesus is revealing himself, and who I am to him, in the midst of the flames, in the midst of the trials. The Lord gave me promises, gave us promises, Visions and dreams of things that we were going to do for the Lord here in Calgary. And then 14, 15 years ago, that all changes. And all of a sudden, I'm out of ministry. I got a broken brain because I got cracked by a car down on 17th Avenue. I couldn't walk right, talk right. And I found myself walking in the flames, so to speak. And I fought against it, and I fought against it. And healing only came, healing much more than just mentally. But healing in my entire being only came when I realized that Jesus wanted to meet me there in the midst of it, not outside of it. Jesus himself, who was, is, is, and was the son of God walking around on earth, given the commission from his father, led by his father, to come to earth, identify himself with us, called to live, this, live, live his life sinless, and then go to the cross and redeem mankind. Before he could even do this, the spirit led him into the wilderness. Wilderness, fire, giants, bears, earthquakes, floods, Look Look throughout scripture. These all precede the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. And yet, I fight against it every time. Somehow, I think I can circumvent that. I can skirt around that. Read a good book and get around that. I don't have to do that. Don't need to do this wilderness. woo Get around that. I'm like skipping around it. And I'm like, where are you, Jesus? And he's like, I'm back here in the wilderness. I'm back here in the pain. I'm back in here, back here in the suffering. I'm back here in the loss, in the betrayal. I'm back here in the disappointment. Why? Why would he do that? Anyone ever ask that question? Anyone ever ask the question, like, why does this stuff happen? Excuse me. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Oh man, I could very well just, not me actually, the word could very well just mess you up this morning. A little disclaimer, this may mess everything up for you. For the better, but it may mess everything up for you. Hebrews chapter 12. I always hear people go to, you know, Hebrews, was it Hebrews 11? Is that the faith chapter? What, what chapters? I should know. I got a new Bible. I'm, I'm trying to find things in my new Bible. Rarely do I ever hear people go to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 3 Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons and daughters? My son, my daughter. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son or daughter whom he receives. It is for the dis- it is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom his father has not disciplined? If you are left without discipline, If if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons or daughters. Verse eleven: For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your droopy hands, droopy arms, if you got those two, and strengthen your weak knees. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Verse 26 At that time his voice shook the earth, and now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens Little over a year ago, when he brought this scripture to, to my attention, he said, Son, do I love you? Or oh, actually, first he said, Son, he said, Are you my son? I said, Yes, you've adopted me by your blood. You've adopted me as a son. Thank you. He goes, Good. So, I do I love you? Yes. Yes, you do love me. You are love see it all through scripture. I've seen it proven out over and over and time and time again in my life. It goes, good. Where do I discipline you? Where have I disciplined you? And then there was silence. And I was like, hmm. I couldn't answer that for weeks. Months even. He kept asking me, where where have I disciplined you? Because he said, son, if you're my son, which you are, and you're my legitimate son, which you are, then either A, you're perfect and you haven't need any disciplining, I can tell by your laughing that you probably know that that's not the case. Ask my wife or my kids or my friends or just anybody. Um, So it's either A, I was perfect, which I'm not. B, God does not love me, which that is not the case, as we see all through Scripture and through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. So then, have you ever met, have you ever been in Walmart you ever been in Walmart and been around? I'm not. This is not me beating beating on other parent parents, whatever, because I've been there. But i been around a family in the Walmart, which is the worst place for families to have to be. And you feel for the moms and everything like that, and it you breaks your heart it because it's so hard and everything like that. But have you ever been around a child that doesn't receive discipline? Maybe, maybe. Have you ever been that child? <laughs> Ever been around a child that doesn't recognize when they're being disciplined? That was actually usually my problem. I usually ask Lauren. Pastor Lauren's actually disciplined me before he's actually taken me to task about things, and I've completely not even heard it. I'm just like, we're having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, look at me, going, hello. Uh, I was like, okay, so. But what happens to the son or the daughter that does not recognize or does not receive or does not uh, embrace discipline? Or does not have a parent that disciplines them? They become lawless. They become illegitimate. They become independent in a negative sense. They become alone. They become isolated. They become marginalized. They become orphans. That is not the heart of the Father towards us. And he said, son, where have I disciplined you? Because I have, but you haven't recognized it. So what does that say? And it's not saying that I was completely walking as an orphan from the Lord, but I realized I went through a long stretch uh, like last, last year or so wrestling through this and realizing that I had a misconception as to who God the Father, or what the God, God the Father was like towards me. And this isn't to beat up my dad, but my perception, and do we all understand that our perception of people isn't necessarily what those people are like? Mm-hmm. But my perception, and this has probably never happened to any other teenagers on the planet, but as a child, as a teenager, my perception of my dad wasn't quite correct. <laughs> and I looked at my dad as being, my dad was present physically, geographically, but my dad wasn't, in my, in my opinion, wasn't present emotionally, verbally, except for when he wanted to call me a, I can't say, because we're in church. Um, and when he wanted to, my perception of my father was he was critical, he was suspicious of my manhood, like, that, that I was a strong man, that I was really, I was kind of, that I was weak. And, the, and my grandfather, the same thing. The Macaulay men, <laughs> let me just say this about the Macaulay men. The Macaulay men are, are tough, grizzly men. And uh, so are the women. And, and, and we go back, you know, uh, go Scotland, Ireland, uh, Norwegian, uh, Vikings, all of that. In fact, the women, are, as you go back, I found out, are even tougher than the men, or whatever, a lot of, you know, you know, pillaging and going across the countryside, uh, take, taking lands and stuff like that. Whatever. Um, and so I understand, like, you know, boomers and beyond. I don't know what goes before. What's a boomer? Before a boomer? You know, boomer, jet extra. Like, oh, before. What happened? Hey, who came before boomers? Anyone? <laughs> I don't even know. I, think, I don't think we had names. But I understand that with my grandfather and my... I, I watched my grandfather and my dad interact. And my grandfather was... Uh, he was there, but he, you know... My, my my memories of my grandfather was cigarette out of his finger, a lot of F bombs, a lot of uh making eggs and bacon grease, and uh just a lot of uh, if he said anything to about me it was mocking mocking my my manhood or my, my how skinny and and not strong I was. Anyways, so I recognize I look now and I see how my dad was raised and so I don't fault my dad. Things are different now. Dads, generally, generally speaking, it seems like dads talk a lot more with their kids. (laughs) Back Back when I was a kid, there wasn't a whole lot of talking. There was, take that engine apart, put that engine back together again. I was going to say things I can't say in church again. Uh, see, there's very little anything else I can say. Actually, what reminded me of it was uh, when we were together and I was listening to Caitlin tell stories, whatever, like that, it reminded me of my family issue, telling Irish stories. It was like, yeah, I get it. So, anyways, interestingly enough, though, I take my perception of my earthly father, my perception again, and I take that, and what I came to realize is, is that I actually imprinted that on my heavenly father. And my Heavenly Father, in my opinion, for a long time, uh, for most of my Christian walk, after I gave my life to the Lord when I was 18, what has been, God is there. God's taking care of me. He's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. He's getting things done. He's making sure there's food on the table. He's got a house for us and everything. He's taking care of us. Um, If someone came in and tried to, uh, you know, rape and pillage our house, whatever, my dad would kick butt, clean house. He would protect us. We know that. Dad's tough. All the, all the fathers in all of Marlboro Park are afraid of him. Good. He'll take care of us. He's not really nice or kind. Uh, he's never hit me, but he's put a lot of holes in the walls. <laughs> and uh, And if he's got something to say to me, when he disciplines me, it's to show me how weak I am and to prove that, yeah, I'm actually not much of a man. I'm pretty weak. I'm pretty feeble. My opinion of my, or my perception of my dad imprinted on the father. And this is why I fled fires all the time. And hardship and discipline in my life. Because to me, every time that it would happen, anytime something challenging would happen in my life, either by my doing or by someone else's doing, I mean, my car crash wasn't even me. I was just, Naomi and I were just driving. and Someone else hit us. But every time something that would happen like that, it was, in my opinion, an indictment against me to prove that I'm weak, to prove that I'm illegitimate, to prove that, yeah, I'm kind of an orphan, to prove that I'm not really the man that I should be. And every hardship would scream that back at me. And so I would avo- avoid all of those things at all costs. So when the father said, where have i disciplined you it took me back it's like why and then he showed me from hebrews cuz he loves me cuz he cares for me because as it says in uh, in, 1 Corinthians uh, 11 or 12, uh, where we always read the scripture when we do communion, but read that scripture again. Uh, We don't have time, but get into that scripture when it's talking about the, the, the Lord's table and start reading a little bit afterwards. It starts talking about the discipline of the judgment of God, which we as a church, I mean, church, generally speaking, across Canada, we always say things like, God doesn't judge. Not true. A loving father does judge. God doesn't punish or discipline. Not true. Read scripture again. God doesn't condemn. A loving father judges what we're doing righteously and out of a heart of compassion and love for me wants to free me of that so that I don't walk into condemnation and eternal judgment, eternal judgment, being separated from him. We say, We don't judge. This is a non judging place. Wrong. I judge the crap out of you. (laughs) But I understand. Actually, a whole bunch of you I don't because I don't know you. But you know what? My wife and I, we judge each other all the time because we have agreed upon values. We have agreed upon faith in terms of the Lord, love for one another, a long term to death you part commitment. Ride or die, uh, love for our kids, love for our friends. We figure out how to do that. So we judge the crap out of each other all the time. We go, hey, remember what we said about this? What are you doing now, Sean? Well, apparently, I don't know. (laughs) You're right. I'm a little off track there. Let's bring it back in so that we can actually continue to walk in this fruitfulness, in this life, in this love, in this faith, so we can actually see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. Do I want my wife to judge me? Yes, in Christ. I want her to judge me according to Jesus Christ, according to the heart and love of Christ, but I need her to. I need my friends to. Jerome, when Jerome came in the back, uh, the back of there, I was like, awesome, Jerome, come sit with me, beside me. He's one of the, one of the guys, part of, my, uh, part of my group of men that we get together. So is George. We judge each other in Christ. Hey, we we're going to get together every Tuesday, and we we're going to get together and pray. You didn't show up. You didn't even text or call. Well, who do you think you are talking to me about that? Well, I'm your brother, and we agreed upon this together. Right. Awesome. Come back together. Oh, sorry, Phoenix is in that group, too. Pardon me. I, I did. He, He's just got married. I always He's a mister now, so I always forget. <laughs> but we judge lovingly in Christ. To actually, and that judgment sometimes comes with a forms of discipline. God disciplines me. I don't have time. I could start going through all the things that God disciplines, has disciplined me in as I've been reflecting on and going, huh. But it's not to condemn me. It's not to destroy me. It's to bring fruitfulness and life to me. Why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How could they possibly? The, 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 the incredible thing about this this the, the passage this passage in Daniel isn't is not to me actually the fiery furnace. It's the what kind of life have they lived up to that point to get to that place where as three friends they could say, we're not gonna do it. Can you do you have who's your we? Who's your we in your life? Do you have a we in your life that if all of a sudden someone said, we're going to kill you unless you bow down towards us, and that person said, we're not going to do it, kill us. Do you have anybody in your life that you would go, what they said? Or would you go, who are you talking on behalf of my, what what are you talking about? (laughs) Can we negotiate here a little bit? (laughs) The fear of the Lord that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, the love for God that they had, the, the the absolute fear and love for God, the reverence for God, and the realization that this world does not hold us and that this world is just a blink in the eye and soon I will be with my heavenly father. In fact, even before that, could I say this? Sometimes people say, ask me, why would you do, why would you... Fear the Lord, what, like why would, you, why would you worship God Because He's God. I don't, I don't think I actually have to say anything else. He's God. He's the creator of all things. If I understood none of it, if I understood nothing in Scripture, if I understood nothing in Scripture other than I knew that there was a God, what else do I need? God says, worship me. The clay doesn't tell the potter what to do. (laughs) Make me into a vase. The the, the clay has nothing nothing to do with it. The clay's literally there. The potter makes the clay. He's God. He's God. He's holy. He's holy. Even as I speak this over this place, he's holy. There's literally demons. There's literally darkness. There's li- literally strongholds in our hearts and our minds that just rail against this. Well, you know, I gotta, and well, what about my rights and, and all this stuff? And, like, we, couldn't, and then we get all this stuff going. He's God. We, we treat... Uh, We treat God, the most sacred of all, as so common. Oh, we can come together and someone can open up a Bible and read it and we go, oh, yeah, that was neat. Yeah, it's good. Some interesting thoughts that you had to say. Everything like that. Well, let's go out for Brunch. If someone said, hey, the King of England is gonna is sending, sending a message, we go, oh, that's interesting, even though I don't care about the royal family, whatever, listen, listen, listen we treat it like the, like the royal family. Oh, uh, Shania Twain's got, Shania Twain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Snoop Dogg? I don't know. <laughs> how out how of touch I am these, these days. I've been so, off social media for so long, I, can't, I don't even know who's who. Taylor Swift's still going? Also, we heard Taylor Swift's going to be here on Sunday. Oh, really? Oh, exciting. Oh, right, right, right. We treat, it, we treat God like at that level. This is God. His breath is keeping you alive. His breath created you. His breath is holding you together. His breath is seeing you through this, and it's all out of a love and a compassion and all out of a deep, a deep desire to know you. And before you were created and formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and he set you apart to be his his son and his daughter. This is what caused Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to stand, stand before, the, uh, before Nebuchadnezzar say, throw us in, we're not bowing down to nothing. He's God. And then they threw him in. I love the fact, I love this fact, that they said, even if he doesn't save us, we're still not bowing down because this world doesn't hold us. This world doesn't have anything for us. We're here just for a short. We're just soul We're just journeying on the path. We're loving people. We're doing what we can. But soon this is all going to burn up and he's going to give us a new planet or whatever, how all, all that stuff works. And we're going to be with him. He's God. He is holy. He deserves reverence. Only him. And I want to know him and I want to worship him and I want to have those, I want to have those wee's around me. That we are so unified in our love and our compassion for Christ. You want to come up? Our love and compassion for Christ. Our deep reverence and our gratefulness to the Lord for his love for us. That we say, we won't bow. We just won't bow. We won't bow to the lust of our eyes. You The talk, talk, last thing I'll say about this. So we talk about the fear of the Lord Think about it this way. The fear of man is the love of wealth. Like the love of wealth. I like making money because then I can do things with it. I bought a Jeep. I get to go out into the mountains with my wife. I love it. Or I enjoy it. I love it, but you know, love, love, not love, 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 but love. The love of wealth. The lust of the eyes. Just looking around all oh, the things that you want need something else, I need something else, bing, something comes up on my Instagram, bing, something comes up on my Kijiji, ooh, gotta get that always always wanting something else, lust of the flesh, all the desires of our flesh, the appetites of our flesh, living by our stomach living by our lusts living by all these things and the pride of life, taking pride, like yes, have pride in your work of your hands yes, have real healthy pride but not a, this is my life this is where I source is. This is where my identity is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's source, identity, was the holy one. And that's why they could stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, you can take our lives. We'll give it all up. We'll give this up. We'll go through the pain. We'll take, you can take it all. Because you can't touch what God's given us. You can't touch it. It's unshakable. So when I walk through life now and I face trials, I face fires, I face giants, yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's painful. Yes, there's grief. Yes, there's that initial fear. I've gone through the cancer. I've gone through these different things over the past few years. And there is those moments. But if we will take those and give those to put those in the hands of Jesus, and say, "You are my source," he'll flood your heart with his life, and he'll walk you through those flames. And incidentally, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego—they they walked out. the The miracle to me isn't that they uh, that they necessarily walked out out of the flames, because there's a lot of stories of men and women that don't. But every one of those that holds true to Christ stand with Him in eternity. That's the miracle. That is the miracle. And the miracle was that they were unbound in the flames. So much of us... All, it's, not that, it's not that, oh, I need to go through trials in order to know God. We all go through trials. Just because you go through a trial doesn't mean you're an authority on anything or that you're, you're, that your faith is productive or useful at all but it's how we go through those trials. And so so many times I go through the trial, I'm going through the trial and I'm still bound up in it. And I'm just like, and I'm just mad and I'm bitter. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just holding on. Why God, why? And all bitter and twisted and complaining. But the Lord wants to free you in the midst of the flames. Because his presence is there. When I diagnosed with cancer a few years ago a couple years ago I walked over to Lauren's house he lived close to us and banged on his door went in and cried and kicked and said a few things we prayed and then walked out of the house and I walked and I I know the exact spot on the sidewalk as I walked along and I felt just the quiet voice of the Lord just speaking to me in my heart. He said, son, you'll walk through this as easy as you think you will if you'll trust me. And something all of a sudden switched in me And I remember stopping on the sidewalk. I remember what the sidewalk looked like I remember stopping and I just remember something just all of a sudden occurred to me. And I realized, oh, you're in the flames. And I said, Jesus, I know you can heal. But if you're walking the path of cancer, that's the path I want to be walking on. I know you can heal me I've seen it I've seen miracles I've seen signs and wonders with my own eyes but something was more important to me that day than being healed and it was I want to know him I don't want to just talk about him I don't just want to know things from scripture about him I don't want to just hear stories about them. Like Job said, you know, I've I've lived off of rumors and I've lived off of these stories from other people. But now I've seen you face to face. And I said, Lord, if that's where you're walking, that's where I'm walking. And the work that he did in my heart, that very moment, the name cancer was broken over me. Because there's a, there's a power over it. And I literally went, I'm walking that way. And I started to walk home. And all, my heart changed. And because I'm already over time, I'm not going to get into just how free He not only made me, but then the freedom that came to my wife, the freedom that came to my kids, the freedom that came to my community. Miraculous. And I got the scars to prove it. Because I had to go to surgery. And I remember them strapping me down and inverting me, hanging me upside down to cut into my neck. And I remember... the one of the techs tried to stick the IV in my arm and he kept missing which is weird because i got real like, got lots of veins and he kept missing kept missing he kept digging kept digging and the one surgeon came over pushed all the way and he swore at him, ah, "Get out of here you're pushing too hard <laughs> and I'm like and i'm looking i'm going it's all right try again i literally looked at the tech as he's like digging into my arm as they're getting ready to cut me open and i didn't know what was all going to happen and i said it's all right try again just dig some more it's literally what I said. And the nurse beside me, she's going, ouchie, ouchie. Little, little little, Filipino lady, remember her? I go, I know, but it's okay. And I just remember, take oh, away, just to try another vein. It's awesome. And I'm just like hanging upside down, literally like that, surprisingly enough. And, and then all of a sudden it occurred to me, I went, this is unusual. And I realized, because he was with me. This is the promise of God to you. He's already with you. He's been with me all along. I just not did not recognize him as that type of father. I thought he was indifferent. I thought he was separate. I thought he was just kind of present, but emotionally not. He's with every one of us. Because he bled the ground red with his blood and rose again on the third day and he sent his Holy Spirit and his promise for you is that if you would just open up your heart just a little when I gave my heart to Jesus all I said was this <laughs> yes while I sat in jail downtown I had no preacher I had no spiritual laws I had no offering being taken I just blubbered and just blurted out a yes and I promise by the scripture, by the nature of God, by his intentions, all through scripture, he will come and he will fill you. As Phoenix starts playing this again, as we, I asked her to play this song specifically. Let's stand and let's worship, or sit, it doesn't matter. But open up your hearts to him. And if any of you want to respond, Because you need to respond. In our culture, in Canada, we just make it so easy. Oh, no, just do whatever, do whatever. No, respond. He bled the ground red for you and I. (laughs) His body was literally torn apart for us. Then he rose again for us. So if you'd like, if you want to open up your heart to him, whether for the first time or just a little bit more, respond and come up here. And let's worship him. And if you'd like us to pray with you, I would love to agree with you and pray with you as one of your we, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's worship. Feel free to come up at any moment. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.